I'm Sammy. And I'm Nicole. And And we we are Spooky Sleuths. Hey guys! Hello! Welcome back to another episode of Spooky Sleuths. Today we are going to talk about the Ant Hill Kids. I don't know much about them, so I can't wait for what Sammy has to tell me. Yeah, so we're taking the cult turn today. We are going to talk about the Ant Hill Kids, who was a doomsday cult based in Burt River, Ontario, Canada. This is my second Canada case. I realized that <laughs> when I was researching. But the Ant Hill Kids began in 1977 by Roque Thoreau, who called himself Moses and Father. Roque was born in 1947, and he was a very smart boy, but he dropped out of school at the age of 13. People believe this could be due to a lack of home care or because he had an issue with authority. Roque taught himself the Old Testament and formed his ideas about the end of the world. He became obsessed with these ideas. Roque was raised as a Catholic, but converted to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. With this conversion, he changed his entire lifestyle. At first, he was changing his lifestyle in a healthy way by excluding processed foods, alcohol, drugs, tobacco. Hard 75 or 75 hard, whatever whatever the kids are calling it these days. (laughs) Well, he got rid of all of those things from his life. But things changed in the 1970s when he became convinced that he was on earth to be a savior. Naturally. He believed that he was the only one who could keep the population safe when good and evil went to war and during the end of the world. He also believed that he was a healer and had the power to resurrect people. So Rook began using his charisma to persuade other people into joining his religious group. While he was organizing seminars for the Seventh-day Adventist, he actually convinced a group of people to quit their jobs and follow him. He would also recruit members through telling stories to strangers about him and his life, not all of which were true. He would make up details like that would make his childhood more bad, more... Like he went through worse yes. and came out on top kind of deal? Yeah. Okay. So he would approach people in public, form a relationship with them, and then get them to follow him. It was at this time as well that he began calling himself Moses. Why do they always go with Moses? Yeah, and children of God. Yeah. His goal was to form a free-thinking commune that was free of sin. At this commune, people could hear his teachings and be equals and unified together. The commune was originally in Santa... No, why did I write... Why did I say Santa? (laughs) (laughs) I got Santa on the brain. (laughs) The commune was originally in St. Marie, Quebec, and the group stayed there until he moved them to what he named Eternal Mountain in St. Jogues... It's J-O-G-U-E-S, but it's French, and I don't speak French. Well, I looked into the term Eternal Mountain and found that it is a part of the game Elder Scrolls. I don't think that's where he got it from. I'm just saying, whenever I looked up Mm. Eternal Mountain to see if that was his name or the real name of the mountain. I think Elder Scrolls came out after this, like way after this. I think so, too. But still interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, this is where the Ant Hill kids got their name when they were building their commune on Eternal Mountain. This is when the Ant Hill kids got their name. Roke had his followers build a commune while he watched them. He stated that they looked like little kids working on an ant hill as they built their community on the mountainside. That's cute. That's cute, though. He wasn't working. He was watching. 
Well, yeah, he was standing up there with a magnifying glass. He was a, it, he was a skilled woodworker too, so he should have been helping that. He's like Jesus and a carpenter. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, I didn't oh even make gosh. that connection. <laughs> the group had a final move in 1984 to Burnt River, Ontario. After Roke convinced a group of Seventh-day Adventists, the Adventists excommunicated the group and Roke. In turn, Roke forbade the group from contacting their families. No longer being an they Adventist. They never let them talk to their families because they'll be told they're being ridiculous. Yeah, they'll be told they're in a cult. No longer being an Adventist, their rules didn't apply to Roke anymore, and he developed a drinking problem. I thought he was going up there for no sins. Is drinking a sin? I think there's something in the Bible about intoxication. Okay. Don't quote me on it, though. I'm not religious. I don't I don't know. The rules within the Ant Hill kids were very strict. They started off not too strict, but progressed to the point the followers were no longer allowed to speak to each other unless Roke was present. The group made money from selling baked goods to local businesses and individuals. So the group followed many beliefs, including women being forced to be obedient to the men, polygamy, harsh punishments, and living miracles. The group's did he take, like, things from Warren Jeffs, Jim Jones, and just, like, put them in a stew? Like, <laughs> like a little, a little hog, is it a hog posh, hog mosh? What a, posh Hod posh? Yeah, hot posh. Hodge posh. <laughs> well, the group also believed that Roke was righteous and the followers were sinful. All the women in the group were wives of Roke, but he had one legal wife named Solange Boyard. We'll come back to Solange in a little bit. Roke had eight wives and 24 to 26 children, three or four of which were conceived during conjugal visits after his eventual arrest. I see different numbers on the amount of children he had in different sources. So I'm just going to put, I just put the range because, you know, that's still a lot of kids. Roke would have the children. That's like a whole football team with a B string. Yeah. He could have done different things with his family. So Roke actually had the children removed later on for being abusive, but he convinced authorities to allow them to return. Of course they did. They're so good at this. So now Roke has his followers, his wives, and the commune. His fixation on, on the end of the world continued to escalate. He declared to his followers that the world would end in 1979, more specifically that Quebec would be destroyed, which is why they had to move over to Ontario. When this didn't happen, his followers were of course questioning him. Roke told his people that the world didn't end because God is in a different time zone. Basically that God runs on different time and that he knew Roke needed more followers and more time to prepare before he ended things. His followers were pleased with this answer and they carried on recruiting and preparing for the end of the world. So now's where I want to give out a big trigger warning for abuse, torture, mutilation, SA, um, mutilation. necrophilia. No, what? Yes. Um, child abuse too. So I, I wouldn't just put that out there. It's going to get a little bit graphic. So it, it is going to get graphic. And so if this is the one, isn't the one for you, go ahead, click off and we'll see you next week. Yeah. I just think it's really important to get these people's stories out there. So I wanted 
to be detailed to let you know how terrible this man is. So here we go. Let's talk about the abuse, torture, and mutilation that occurred within the cult. Roke would test his followers' loyalty. He would force them to harm themselves in order to prove they were loyal to him and that they trusted him. The first thing he would have his followers do is what he called gladiator battles. Two of his followers would be forced to fight each other until Roke called it a draw leaving the two who battled with horrible injuries. Roke would also force his followers to break their own legs with sledgehammers and shoot each other in the shoulders as waves to prove themselves. Why, why are we doing that? And I'm sure they did not receive medical attention afterwards. Speaking of medical attention. Oh God. Um, we'll get to that in, in like 30 seconds. Okay. Let's talk about the punishments first before we get into medical and healing and miracles. So punishments in the cult were awful, as you can imagine. He would force his followers to eat their own feces and each other's feces, eat rats and eat insects. He would make them sit on a lit stove to burn themselves. He would remove their teeth and nails. He would cut off their arms and legs without any warning. And he would make them sit naked in the cold and beat them. For children, oh no! he would nail the children to a tree and have other children throw rocks at them. This isn't biblical times. Yeah. He loved the Old Testament. Uh, Clearly. Clearly. He, and we haven't even got into any murders yet. Okay. Clearly he enjoyed pain, inflicting pain on others. Not only did he inflict his pain through punishments, but he also liked to perform surgery on his followers. Surgery? Yeah. He thinks he's a healer. That's not how that works. We throw some sage on it and call it good. We don't need to go cutting into people. Yeah, he would operate on his followers for any and every reason. If any member had any kind of ailment or say you were constipated, you were getting surgery. He'd open you up without anesthesia or anything sterile and operate. Now, y'all don't know, but Nicole is an infectious disease nurse. This is just like even if he wasn't out there chopping legs off every willy nilly. If they would go get medical treatment, they'd probably lose their legs if he's just going, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can just imagine, because I've seen the kind of infections that can brew from sterile surgeries because things aren't healing right. I couldn't imagine the amount of gangrene. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty terrifying to think that that is the only medical attention that they got. So let's talk about some of the deaths that occurred within the cult. Probably from infection. There's at least four that I could find and one near-death situation that happened. The first victim I'm going to talk about is Roke's two-year-old son. Oh, no. He complained of not being able to urinate, so Roke decided to operate on him. He cut open his... Can I say penis? Yes. Okay. He cut open his penis, and when the boy kept screaming, Roke had another follower punish him. He just cut open his waiter. With no anesthesia, Roke had another follower punish him. He is a two-year-old that you just cut open with no anesthesia. With no anesthesia anywhere would be sensitive, but... But That's a sensitive area. Regardless of anesthesia or not. Yeah. And what was he going to do? The the boy couldn't urinate. It was probably some, like, something in his kidneys. Or bladder... Or just an infection, your prostate. I mean, he is a male. (laughs) This follower that he had punish him is said to have been mentally handicapped by his family and other survivors of the cult. And I just want to throw that out there because, of course, we know this boy dies. And I don't think he had any business being involved with any form of punishment. That shouldn't have been punished anyway. But having this mentally handicapped person 
be involved in this punishment was not fair to that person or the child. When he was punishing the boy, he went too far and killed him. Did he even have the capacity to know when to stop? I don't know. Was he waiting for direct? I mean, I know you weren't there. I'm just yeah. spitballing out loud. Did he even but have any direction? Did It's hard to tell. That's awful. Yes. It's not an excuse for what happened, but oh, absolutely it could have been and avoided. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe that was exactly his goal. That but we don't know. We weren't there. Well, Roque decided to cover up the crime, so they would burn the boy's body, and when that didn't completely destroy all of the evidence, they buried him on the property. As for the follower who killed the boy, Roque castrated him. The castration caused an infection that killed him, knowing that it was so be- much infection. <laughs> yeah. Your, your head's reeling right it now. It is. I hate it. <laughs> you have a list of antibiotics going through your I brain. Do. I can I can see it. Well, knowing that it would be suspicious that the man disappeared, because these people are involved in the community, like they're seen, they're trying to recruit people, they're selling things in the community. So someone would notice if he went missing. Plus, he had family. Roke and his followers went to the police station to tell them that the man died by being trampled by a horse. And the police Was that believed a leader? him. The police believed him. They did no further investigation. But Roke was charming enough to convince him that that was the true story. To convince them that it was the true story. Well, and they had horses on the property, so the police were like, okay, it's plausible. Well, the next murder is one of another one of Roke's sons. The next murder is another one of Roke's sons. Is that why he who, kept producing? Seems Well, he had like 25 kids. Yeah, he had to keep replenishing the ones that he was killing. He left this one outside in the middle of a blizzard. In Canada, it gets cold up there. He froze to death, I'm sure. The last one that I want to talk about is that of Solange, his legal wife. He killed his wife, too? And this is where we get into some of the necrophilia. Oh, no. And some mutilation. Well, Solange was complaining of stomach pain. So, of course, Roke decided that she needed surgery to fix this issue. He laid her down on the kitchen table and punched her stomach. Next, he gave her an enema. He placed a tube into her rectum and put olive oil in it. After the enema, he cut open her abdomen and used his bare hands to rip out segments of her intestines. Like he just ripped it apart and took it out. Did he put them back together? Nope. He had another one of his followers close her up. Well, he was closing well, just, her them up. Just like floating around yeah. in there. The other follower was closing her up. He shoved a tube down her throat and had another follower blow air down the tube because he said it would inflate her intestines. That That's not how that works. To be clear, that's not how any of this works. Solange survived the night, but she died the next morning. Can you imagine how much pain she would have been in? I hope she passed out from the pain because that is horrendous to think about. That's something you see on a horror movie, not something that actually happens. Sidebar here. There is a book written called The Savage Messiah, and it was made into a movie. You can watch it free on freebie, I believe. I started watching it, and then I got too busy, and so I watched YouTube videos (laughs) for the rest of my research. But I I definitely want to finish watching it after this. Um, I don't believe it'll be as graphic as As, this. Yeah, as the actual information. 
but this is the kind of thing like I love true crime. I love learning about the history and what makes people tick. I could have done without this one. I know. Like this is this is bad. It's it's really awful and the first time I saw something on it, I couldn't believe. And that's that probably why it's not talked about as much as your other cults. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're bad guys too, but nobody wants to talk about this kind of stuff. No, and I feel like this should be something that is known about because the, his poor wife, his poor kids, I, those victims, they need <laughs> to have their story told. Do you remember how I said he thought he had the power of resurrection? Yeah. He decided this was the time to use that power. Okay. He proceeded to remove Solange's ovary and a rib. How was that going to resurrect this poor woman? He wore the rib as a necklace. Of course he did. He stated that this rib necklace was representing how Adam or Eve came from Adam's rib. After this, Roke drilled a hole into her skull and he, along with other male followers, would SA her through this hole and ejaculate into the skull. Needless to say, this did not resurrect this poor woman. I, Sammy, this is bad. Can we even put this out on the internet? <laughs> Sorry, we have to edit that out. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable with it too. <laughs> yeah, we can, because that's where I learned about this part was on the on a YouTube video. Okay, because this, this is bad. We're gonna, this is like really bad. I, I told you. It was bad. It's really uncomfortable, like all of this. And I mean, we can do some bleeps, but you can't bleep out ejaculating into the skull. I mean, I can take that out. And no, no, because it, I mean, it happened. It's, I don't know how this is not more well known. Okay, let's, I'm ready for the next part. Well, let's talk about a near death situation that was experienced by a female member named Gabrielle Lavelle. Roque was a monster to her as well as others, but Roque took a blowtorch to Gabrielle's genitals pulled out eight of her teeth and broke a hypodermic needle off in her back. After this incident, Gabrielle tried to escape. Some sources say she returned on her own. Others say that Roke captured her, but either way, she was punished for trying to leave. Roke cut off one of her fingers and nailed her hand to the table, after which he amputated her arm with a chainsaw. I saw some sources that said sledgehammer, but more said chainsaw. So either way, either with a chainsaw or a sledgehammer amputated her arm. That's bad, no matter how you look at it. Sledgehammer, chainsaw, that no anesthesia. Well, he also removed parts of her breast and he took an ax to her head. Gabrielle decided it was time to leave now. Wait a minute, you said near death. That didn't, none of that killed her? No, none of that killed her. Okay. She decided it was time to leave again. I would say so. And she went to a hospital. She's Can you imagine how brave you would have to be to still leave a second time? Yeah, and I'm so glad she decided to because this is how he was caught. She still tried to cover up for Rogue at the hospital to the authorities, but she eventually told them everything. She tried to say that there was an, an accident with her arm and that he tried to help fix it. That is the opposite of what happened. Correct. But she eventually came clean. Yes. Before we get into Roke's punishment for his crimes, I want to mention what happened if followers wanted to leave the cult. Because you can imagine, after seeing all this abuse, I'm sure people wanted to leave. But if someone wanted to leave, Roke would become very angry. He would hang them from the ceiling and pluck each individual hair off of the body, beat them with belts and hammers, and defecate on them. So many members were afraid to express that they wanted to leave, so they just stayed. In 1989, Roke was arrested for assault. When the police learned about everything that occurred in the cult, they brought murder charges to the table. Roke was thankfully unable to use his charm and charisma to get out of this. Thank goodness. 
He was convicted in 1993 on the murder charges. Roke received life in prison with the possibility of parole. He was denied parole in 2002. And while in prison, he had conjugal visits with his with four of his wives and had four more children. His cellmate in prison did not like him. Apparently, he was bragging about what he did in the cult. His cellmate had enough and stabbed him to death with a shiv in 2011. After murdering Roke, the inmate walked up to the guard, handed him the shiv, and he received a life sentence for the murder. But he was already in prison for a life sentence for another murder. But... He, he didn't try to deny it or anything. He just walked up to the guard and invented it and handed him the shit. Prior to his death, Roke sold artwork and poems on a website called murderauction.com, which is still a thing. The website sells items from killers as if they were celebrities. Although, I don't know exactly how I feel about that. I don't either, because we have some murderbilia back here, but I feel like sometimes it can cross the line. Although Roke is gone now, his children and his wives and the other cult members have to live with the aftermath. A lot of information on this cult varies from source to source. So I really hope that I did Solange and Gabrielle, his two kids, any other victims justice with telling this. I genuinely hope the survivors have lived fulfilled lives after this tragedy. That was a very, very heavy episode. It was. I feel like that one was probably hard to really dive deep into research on it was and every site tells you something different about it so i tried to just take the most common things yeah but so i apologize if i got anything wrong we're only as good as the information we can find as well and we're using reputable sources yeah but thank you guys so much for listening please don't forget to check out our instagram tiktok and youtube at spooky sleuths pod but on that note Stay spooky, friends. friends.